0: Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the Autism Community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the Autism Community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Autism Spectrum Therapies and the Learn AST Provider Network. Now, here is your host, Rob Hout. Hey
1: everybody, welcome all Autism Talk. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Um, really excited about today's guest. We uh, we haven't spoken to her in quite a while. It's been, I think, close to seven, maybe even eight years. Um, but today we're going to be joined by Molly Olapini who is the um, founder and chief executive officer of the Global Autism Project, which is a nonprofit organization that in- increases the capacity of local individuals working with children with autism worldwide. Uh, when we first spoke to Molly uh, seven, eight years ago, the Global Autism Project was providing services and trainings in, in two countries across the world. Um, now they've grown to be 10 countries um, with uh, expansion and, and um target to go to twenty countries by twenty twenty. Um Molly and, and the Global Office Projects has just got an amazing um just awareness and publicity for for just their incredible efforts. Um, But in addition to talking to Molly today, we're also going to uh, get a really cool opportunity to talk to two individuals who were part of the project, who have actually gone abroad um, and done some of the different programs with them. So we'll get really two great perspectives on just some amazing work that's being done to help individuals with autism all across the country, or really... (laughs) Beyond the country, really all across the world. Um, so, let's move on. Let's start talking to Molly and, and find out what the Global Autism Project is up to. Molly, welcome back to the show. It's so great to talk to you again.
2: Awesome, thank you so much. It's always great to be here.
1: So, you know, we, I was I was going through. I was trying to kind of go back and look at my notes, and and you, you and I met. Um, I, I went back and did the math. You and I met uh, seven years ago. We met back in 2011. Uh, I remember oh up my in goodness. Seattle, and at, you know, at the time, you were in Global Autism Project was in two countries. Um, so, yeah, where? How, what's the country count right now? I mean, where? Where? It's well, seven years later, what, yeah, what's the
2: number? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're over 15 countries now. Um, we have a Jeez. couple of we have a couple of countries we work in that have several sites in them and things like that. Um, And we have some countries that we technically are working with currently, but we're unfortunately not able to travel due to political unrest. But we we include them in our count and in our family of of partners for sure. So, you know, and we have a waiting list at any given moment, usually excess of 20 countries who are waiting for services, who are applying to work with us. So, yeah, there's a global need. If anyone doubted that at any moment.
1: not, not to get too political and, and steer too off of the kind of our the autism the ABA side of this, but like I, I can't even imagine thinking about kind of like the political landscape. Like I, I feel like I take for granted the fact that like I live in America and this is these are our laws and this is our government. And yes, here, yeah, you move on yeah. into a new city. Like how do you guys deal with that? Like, are, are there considerations you have to do up front when thinking about where you can partner?
2: There are, so there are definitely considerations because part of our model is that we bring autism professionals from the U.S. to these countries. And so we do have to go to places that are stable, that are safe. Um, You know, for example, we received an inquiry from Venezuela, which unfortunately is a country that's had all sorts of political turmoil and really... Um, in a really rough place, and we unfortunately had to say no to them. We work with them from a distance a bit, wow. um, but we are not able to okay. do our full model there because we simply can't send teams of volunteers. So, yeah, and you know, in terms of just laws that protect kids with autism, um, look, they're not perfect, and I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, autism services in the U.S. are far from yeah. perfect. But um, there are efforts made, there are people, there's a community of people who care about these kids, and that's that's just not the case everywhere. You know, there's a strong stigma around autism, um, and sometimes laws are enacted in countries that are totally impossible for anyone to follow. You know, every child under the age of X will have access to services. Well, you have no one in your country who can provide services. So what does that mean? You know, so... Um, You and I were talking a little bit offline about a program that we have in the Dominican Republic now where we have a BACB-approved course sequence, and that has been made possible not only by, um, you know, our local partners down there in the university, but also by the local government. So the government got um, involved there as well, which is really exciting and really kind of game-changing for everyone down there.
1: Like, I feel like I've seen, you know, I go every year to the state of the BACB uh, talk that Jim yeah. Carr gives. You know, he's been giving them at APBA. Yep. He's been giving it a little bit at Calaba. like, the moment you said that Dominican Republic uh, course sequence, like, I was thinking, about, like, oh, my God, the BACB must just be, like, thrilled with what you're doing because every year um, he highlights. I mean, he goes out of his way to highlight the international growth of the profession yeah. um i mean it's just it's it's got to be an amazing partnership and you guys have to be at just such a great resource for the board and 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 for some of these other institutions like ABAI
2: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I really love about what the BACB does is they do have that international emphasis. You know, it's an internationally recognized credential. Other credentials are not necessarily, you know, so that was a really, really smart thing that they've done. Um, And it's been really interesting. You know, literally, I mean, i just off the plane yesterday from opening up this course in the Dominican Republic, so we'll wow. see, you know, sort of where our unintended consequences are and where our learnings are. Um, sure. But you know, I'm really, I'm really thrilled with this model that we have, um, in that we're going to have the university course sequence. We're also going to have a practicum site that has, you know, training from our organization throughout the year as well. So it's not just mm-hmm. course sequence, go forward and do what you're doing, but course sequence intensive practicum where you're going to be coming in contact with probably over 50 professionals um, who are going to travel and be building capacity like that. So it is really exciting, I think. um, And we're always, we're always sort of badgering them putting through course sequence applications because there's such a global need and people are reaching out to us for it. They're reaching out to them as well, but they're reaching out to us saying, Oh, we need this approved course sequence. And so, um, it is i I do think that they're you know what they're doing internationally is really is really important and really good, so yeah,
1: yeah. no i mean the practicum piece you talked about like that that's what I think of when I think about the global autism project, like I think yeah. about like that hands on practicum type of program. Like I, I remember us talking yeah. the last time at great length about really the the idea of training the trainer, how you guys really kind of go yeah. in there. Almost, you know, this this team of experts coming in to train People who live locally in the community so that the services are localized But you've got this like expertise coming in and and growing the expertise You know on the ground at that school at that center in that town um, It has the has a BACB coursework is, is this the first one you guys are doing or is, has that become kind of like part of your model that you're trying to kind of like now Add a whole other layer to the the training you guys offer?
2: we 're doing and also wow. <laughs> you know yes and um, we are hoping that it becomes part of our model as well, um, because I think there's just it's it's true capacity building you know it 's when people yeah. don't have to leave the country anymore to become a BCba now we 've built capacity you know we've built an entire we we also think of ourselves as sort of that practicum site and that hands on training and we 've started to learn a little of bit over the years. We're on our 15th year, by the way, of doing this work. Um, so we've hopefully we've wow. learned a thing or two. Um, but we're starting to see that the real capacity building really comes in those university partnerships, those government relationships, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Um, because we're we're actually building an entire professional field in the country. You know, yes, we're providing services, mm-hmm. you know, providing training services to the teachers. Um, and, of course, you know, when I started in the field, it started the organization 15 years ago, there were – much fewer BCBA's than there are today. You know, now it's sort of become more of a. Certainly, if you have a kid with autism, you've probably heard of BCBA oh, yeah. in passing. You know, um, with insurance legislation here, and you know all the all the work that happens here does impact our work globally because we get better examples to share with other countries. You know, and mm. I share with our teams a lot. the The U.S. You know, now I've been doing this for 15 years, so now I don't say this side of 40 years ago. I say this side of 50 years ago. The U.S. have not a great place to live if you had kids with autism, um, and you know. But it was it was thoughtful, dedicated, compassionate people who who changed who changed history here, um, you know. And I think now we have no excuse to not have quality services all over the world because we're we have so many. Good examples, good examples of employment programs, mm-hmm. good examples of integration, pro, you know, so many good examples, inclusion. So um, I think that, yeah, just sort of looking at our work as real capacity building and learning from what's happening in other places has been has been really great.
1: I'm kind of curious, um, and, and this may just be the uh, – an a ABA nerd kind of having an ABA nerdy question about uh, about what you see sure. on that kind of global level. But, you know, I, I think about our field and I think about the world of ABA, and sometimes we kind of like, you know, splinter ourselves with kind of like, well, I studied under this person or, you know, I adhere hmm. to a, a VB model. And, and I hear that terminology a lot as I kind of go into – different states and 10 different conferences, you know, is there a model? Is there a specific model that you've kind of seen actually kind of translate well internationally um, or are there certain models that you've noticed apply really well with maybe kind of like different populations or different regions?
2: You know, what's really interesting is the way that our training is provided is by having people from all, all of those, splintered off people all come together, um, you know, for a global autism project skill for trip. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is just good science is what gets transferred, you know, it. so it's not necessarily this model or that model. It's like the science. And then we've created um, a proprietary assessment called the SASE, which is the site assessment survey for sustainable intervention to make sure that all of our partners are making progress and they are learning those things as they relate to the task list. Um, But in terms of Mm a, you know, a VB approach versus I studied under XYZ, I mean, our partners around the world are, are being trained by many different therapists and many different, you know, BCBAs so that they're, for generalization. Now, that being said, obviously, you're not going to have everyone just going in doing what they want. So, every partner right, site right. Is, additionally, um, is additionally connected with a local, um, and, sorry, not a local, I'm to just say, every partner site, you can edit that out, um, every partner site <laughs> is connected with a clinical specialist who's assigned to them as well. So the teams go in. They mm-hmm. do the hands-on training. They're, you know, modeling those things that are just easier in person. Um, and then during, when yeah. we're not there, when we're not in country, we're in communication. So then they're connected with yeah. um, their their clinical specialist, who's who is able to talk to them every week, watch videos of the kids, see mm-hmm. the data. And then another team goes in building on the work that the previous team did. So, you know, I think one of the most exciting things is yeah. being 15 years in is seeing real capacity building and knowing where that site was when I got there for that first visit, you know, seven years ago or whatever it was. So it's um, been really cool to just kind of see see that come together for sure.
1: I I I just wish like just listening to you talk about um, your assessment of the sassy like that just kind of got me excited like I it, it got me excited <laughs> that maybe it's because of what I do now you know like I feel like I don't know I, I don't yeah. I don't do this anywhere near what what you do but you know all, all of what we've done across. Um, you know, our, our broad network of providers, you know, I've I've been so hands on in opening up new centers across the country and, and and obviously I don't deal with the political side of things and that same nature. And, and I can have partners locally where I don't have to build it all from the ground up like you do, but, but that that concept of like, let's do an assessment to understand the capacity of what this team of people can handle and how we could kind of scale this from the ground up. I mean, I've pieced things together but to have a structured approach like that just sounds like, to me, I get excited. Like, again, it's, it's the OBM nerd. that starts popping up to be like, right, oh, man, right. I, like, yeah, that I sounds amazing. Of-
2: yeah. I have a lot of OBM and ABA nerds in my, in my office. Somehow I, I bet. I
1: bet. And it's, it
2: is. Um, and it is, I mean, we needed that structured approach, right? Because how do yeah. you, you know, and every so often I have to kind of, you know, my staff and I will, we have, believe me, we have some overwhelming days at the global autism project. Sure. Some real challenges we deal with day in and day out. And, um, you know, what I have to do is, um you know what we have to do is figure we have to get present to the fact that what we're trying to do is one really challenging you know even from just yeah. even if these different countries we worked in weren't in different countries it was just that many personalities and that many, now you throw in different cultures now you throw in different countries now you throw in different time zones now you you know what I mean it's like it's just yeah. it's just so much
1: um so what wanted to take a step back i mean wh- Last time we talked, I remember a lot about the model and, and, and the training, the trainer concept, but I actually forgot and and, and was hoping we could kind of talk about a little bit, is um, how the Global Autism Got Project got started. Um, you know, what inspired you to actually kind of take this, like, enormous leap and, and start this organization?
2: Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. I think the answer to what inspired me is naivete and youth. But the longer story is that I moved to Ghana with a family who had a child with autism, Um, and the idea was that I was just going to continue being his ABA therapist, working remotely with a um, BCBA in the U.S. who was providing supervision and everything. And I wouldn't stay all that long and that I would, you know, just connect him with the local community and local resources and head out. And uh, what I found when I got there is that people started coming to the house where I was working, living, the school where I was working, the gym where I was working out occasionally, um, looking for the lady who knew what autism was. So my first thought was, awesome, let's just find the local resources and connect you, you know, kind of, again, how hard can this be? Um, and I mm-hmm. did find a woman running an autism center and learned that they needed a lot of training and um support. And so I thought, okay, well, again, how hard can this be? Let's just go online and find, I'm sure there's an NGO, there's an organization, there's a US-based autism company who will come provide training. Um, what I found is that that wasn't, that wasn't going to be quite as easy as I had in mind with my budget of zero, because basically I was looking for people to volunteer and come for a couple of weeks and get to know the people and get to know the staff. And then I also would like them to stay in communication with us every week so that we could continue to learn from them. Um, and for some crazy reason, no one was really up for that. Um, they were all, A lot of people were up for even paying their own way and coming to Ghana for a couple of weeks, um, but it was that staying in communication. And for me, that was the non-negotiable part, is that this had to be something sustainable. The intervention had to be sustainable. We had to create a real relationship. So, um, you know, again, Naivetan Youth, at the age of 23, I thought, well, I guess we'll starting Donna and go all over the world. Um so that was 15 years ago and it is it is mind blowing to think about that because you know kind of in in one breath I can remember exactly how that felt exactly where I was exactly exactly everything and in the other breath <laughs> it feels like a really long time ago you know. Um so yeah it's that's really that's really where we got started um and you know and again it was problematic that People were looking to me as an expert because, for one thing, I had just gotten to Ghana. For another thing, I wasn't yeah. an expert. I was an ABA therapist at the time. That's what we were called. An ABA therapist was one year of experience. Um, and, wow. you know, I realized that just by virtue of being from the U.S., people were looking to me um, for support, and i' was like i don't even know what I'm doing, guys, you know like <laughs> so um so and then the again, the other issue is just kind of around that sustainability and that cultural relevance, you know I sure. also by the way didn't even know how to eat the local food, you know, and there were kids who they wanted me to help them teach them how to eat. And I was like, well, you're gonna have to teach me how to eat and then we can go from there. You know, I don't, I don't know how to eat this fufu with my hands. I now do, but I didn't at the time. Um, so I think that that cultural relevance piece for me was really, really, really important. Um, and you know, I just have this like crazy idea that where you're, wherever in the world you're born, you should be able to reach your potential. Mm-hmm. You should have services. You should be accepted by your community. It's just this wild idea I have, you know, whether you're born in Southern California mm-hmm. or New Jersey or Ghana, you know. And um, yeah. I also learned at the time of starting the organization, I learned a lot more about the stigma around autism, the cultural beliefs, um, and realized that really I also probably shouldn't be the voice Talking about what autism is and autism is not, and um, you know we, we don't know what causes autism, right? So you also don't have it's not it's not like dealing with other um, conditions in in the developing world because we have to say well we also don't know what causes it, and in the same breath, um, you know accept that the locally accepted belief is that the child has a curse put on them. And so you kind of have to work. We always say, people say, oh, you know, what do you guys come up against? And we say, don't come up against anything. We work within their paradigm, within their understanding. Um, you know, and what ends up happening is it becomes harder and harder to think that the child's possessed when they start learning and they start learning how to express themselves. Um, and so, you know, and that, that sort of fades away in that way. But we're we're really committed to working. I just did a TEDx talk last um, last year, and it it boiled Mm -hmm. down to kind of the hashtag of do with, not for, and we're really, as an organization, committed to doing things with people, not for people, Um, and, you know, I think that translates nicely, too, for parents of kids with autism, for other professionals in the field, this idea of doing things Mm -hmm. with a family, not for a family, with a student, not for a student, Um, and that's really how, you know, that's really how we build and foster independence, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that's, I mean, I rem-
2: that's how it got I re- started. I remember and a, model a little bit.
1: I mean, I remember talking to you, and it's, it's the moment you said it's a curse. I was just like, I just had a flood of memories coming back uh, to talking yeah, to you previously, yeah. and in our early conversations, and and it, it, I'm just kind of curious, like have i feel like across or, you know across america and, and i always judge this based upon like my family members who really don't understand what i do um right. if, their understanding faith. of autism yeah like their understanding of autism is a really good guide for me of okay you know what what is it that maybe society is, is starting to kind of view autism as, because I've got, you know, right. we all do, as you said, you got those family members who are like, <laughs> you know, what what's the deal with these kids? And and, and they don't get it. And yeah. now I have family members who, those family members who, I, I wouldn't say they understand it, but they, they, their opinions, their, their understanding of it all has changed. You know, they know a couple of key statistics. They, they now know someone who has a child with autism in their circle. Um, and I feel like the acceptance of autism is, has really changed in, in this country, particularly over the last 10 years. Um, has mm-hmm. you know going to such international communities and and such diverse communities um have you seen a difference in how some of the communities that you're in a, and how they've accepted the diagnosis um as well
2: I have I absolutely have um you know it's been it's been really interesting to watch over the years I remember in Ghana we used mm-hmm. to call it our taxi driver test thinking about this the other day and thinking, could I actually operationalize this and create this as an assessment? But I was thinking, you know, when I lived in Ghana, I would get into a taxi and I would say, you know, they would say, what do you do? And I'd say, I work with, you know, autistic children. And they would say, Oh, do they paint? Do they draw? You know, my brother makes baskets. And I was like, no, 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 the word's Mm -hmm. autistic. And I would explain autism. And, um, and I remember even just five years later getting into a cab in Ghana and say, Oh, you know, I'm working with autistic children. And, um, And at the time, you know, when I started in the field, we said autistic children, then we said children with autism. Now I have five employees with autism and they're all like, whatever, call it what it is. What's the difference? You know, but I know there are people who kind of come down on both sides of the autistic versus person with autism, but, um, anyway and then you would get in a taxi and they'd say oh i know somebody who has this or oh i know somebody who's teaching these kids or oh you know and so i mm-hmm. felt like that was that was sort of a not actually measurable some anecdata, if you will around that yeah
0: um yeah yeah, yeah.
2: and then but Definitely. I mean, I think about the work that we, that we have um, been able to, to be a small part of and see in India. And there's, you know, there's a mom in India, and she has a 15-year-old son with autism. He goes everywhere with her. And she gets a look, and she says, oh, do you have questions about autism? Oh, did you want to know more about autism? Um, and yeah. so that piece, you know, but really those shifts, those cultural shifts, have to come from the culture. They're not going to come from us. You know, so our role right. is to build their confidence, their community. You know, we have a really exciting thing coming up next year where we'll bring all of our international partners together for one global partner summit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. they'll be able, you know, right now we do – we do. Um, Webinar, not webinars, but video calls with them a few times a year so they get to at least see each other and get their other people doing this work. Um, But I think meeting a person is going to be just another level of that. Um, So, yeah, just giving them sometimes the the confidence, you know, working with them. I wouldn't even say giving them the confidence, uh, confidence works, you know, but (laughs) working with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. so they're confidently talking about the work that they do, and they feel a little bit more comfortable. And again, we can't force that because we could potentially put a child at risk by saying, "Oh, you should go tell everyone your kid has autism." Well, if the local right. cure, if you will, for autism is murdering someone, please don't go tell everyone your child has autism. You know, so it's like those cultural yeah. shifts have to wow. have to happen, and they have to be locally led. Um, so our role is really just around. Teaching people more about autism so that so that they can meet
1: that. You've used the word "with" so many times yep. just in our last like two minutes, and you know Probably. the the message you kind of started previously is you know you have to work with the culture, you have to work with the community, you have to become yep. really kind of become a part of it. Yeah, you know, it's it. It really resonates for me um, based on some conversations I've been having lately about um, about what a BCBA kind of develops through their training and what they still kind of right. need to develop when they come work with mm-hmm. us. And and, um, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, you know, th- there's obviously there's like a there's a cultural competence component to what you're talking about. There's a, a consultative uh, teaching component, there's a, 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 just a human component to it. And, and I'm wondering, yeah. Yeah. how much training do you guys um, have to provide to people up front who want to become part of the Global Autism Project to be prepared for what what makes perfect sense but is something that I don't find to always be instinctual to a lot of young behavior right. analysts?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So that's a great question. So, um, and you know, you and I again talked many years ago, and things have changed a little bit. Yeah. We've learned a lot, and as soon as we learn something, we do things differently because that is learning. You right. know, um, but we do. Yeah. Have everybody. And it's funny because you're saying you know like oh those things that BCBS don't quite have, and I'm thinking in my head like we'll have them travel with us. Well, we can fix that for you. <laughs> you know, and a lot. Oh, of I was thinking that too. By the way. Now, Well, and we should talk more about that because a lot of companies have been um, offering SkillCore, our international experience, as part of their benefits package, Mm -hmm. which is a really interesting thing um, because there's a huge, you know, ROI on that in terms of having a team member who comes back, who gets collaboration, who gets cultural competency, who gets this idea of doing things with. So before people travel with us, they come to New York for a two-day training. That being Mm -hmm. said... um, where they learn it is in the field. All of our trips travel yeah. with a trained leader, and all of our leaders have traveled with us several times. They've attended their Leadership Academy training. They've been selected. Not everybody becomes a Skill core leader. Um, and the training happens in the country, and we have a very, you know, again, back to that kind of, like, systematizing, what does Skill core look like? What does Skill core mean? You know, the first year we ran Skill Corps, I ran all the trips. The second year we ran skill core. Wow. Another woman ran all the trips. The third year someone else ran all the trips. Well, now there's too many trips for one person to run, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and to be honest, there were back then too, but we, we didn't know any better. Um, but now we have we have all different trip leaders. You know, we're, we're sometimes, we're in 13 countries at once sometimes. So um, we have. Know, we really kind of figured out and operationalized, what does a trip look like? How do we process what's going on? You know, you throw someone in another culture, they're automatically sort of like, tell me what to do, <laughs> you know, and so yeah. working with them, because we, we use a Socratic approach with our partners, we use a Socratic approach with our skill core members, um, because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, what we believe is, though a BCBA not, may not show up presenting with these skills, they have the capacity Um, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, really just kind of through different guided conversations and ways that we evaluate our day and ways that we look at the work that we're doing. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of bosses who call me up and are like, I don't know what you did to her, but thank you so, 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 so much, you know, I knew that this person had a ton of potential. I don't know what you did. Also, she can travel with you anytime, you know, so just Mm really a, really a win, win, win. I think that's been an unintended consequence of Skillcore that I've really loved is, is seeing the difference that we're making in the field, building. When people come back, they, they're they more collaborative. You know, we ask them, what's something that you learned? Everyone does an exit interview, and one of our questions is, what's something that you learned that, you know, you're taking with you for the rest of your life, basically? And there's this spirit of collaboration, and, you know, now I'm going into homes of people that are from a different culture from me, and I'm just approaching it in a completely different way. Or, you know, I'm also just mm-hmm. viewing a family as a culture. You know, families, mm-hmm. family, every family, whether they speak yeah. the same or have the same skin or whatever, they're their own culture. And so, if you look yeah. at yourself from kind of that more like anthropological, we're here to work with you, not for you. And I have to say, you know, with that TEDx talk, it's been really interesting because. I imagine the audience would be more kind of at the international development set, which, of course, I play in both spaces, right? The autism field is, quote, right. my field, and the international development is my field. So it's sort of this, so it's this interesting thing. But the audience and the people who email me have been parents who say, I'm showing this to my therapist tomorrow. <laughs> you know? I want that I'm showing this to my physician tomorrow. I want I want the people who work with my family to come in with that mindset and that approach. So um yeah, it's been it's been a really fun thing. And I think when you and I spoke, Rob, I don't think skill Corps was a thing. I think at that time it was like whoever Molly could wrangle and put on an airplane, we'd all I, go in. I think so. Um, so yeah. So, so skill what Corps you know is a game changer. We have yeah. two hundred and fifty alums. So yeah. Pretty
1: exciting. I mean I know I, I've I've hired a couple of alums. I mean it's it's funny. It's so funny oh, it's like okay. how sometimes I find out people are have done skillcore with you. Is I, I of course I see it <laughs> on LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't I don't right. like catch right. it on the resume, but then I'm like, Oh yeah, she works for us and oh wow she did SkillCore. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, oh so how funny. We, I
2: know. We what? need to <laughs>
1: Well, what, what is real quick in a nutshell, like what, what is skill core? I mean, is it like a set? I'm going away for two months. I'm going away for three months. Is it like, what's the, what's the framework of it?
2: Yeah, so it's actually a two-week trip. Um, we found that that, that left us oh, still awesome. be friends with people's full-time employers. <laughs> so um, that, that was
1: <laughs> I was gonna amazing. say that sounds amazing.
2: Time, but, yeah, exactly. So, um, so what is it is is a two-week immersive volunteer experience. Um, it is not voluntourism. You are going to work in your field okay. but to train other people to create something sustainable, yeah. um, you know, as opposed to just going and building a house because that's what you thought would be fun for the day. It's like, no, you're actually going and offering right. professional skills that someone actually needs. Um, and I think, you know, so, yeah, it's two weeks long. People apply on our website. We get applications literally every single day. Um, we have just started advertising for SkillCore. We didn't advertise in the past beyond standing in exhibit mm-hmm. booths. Um, because mm-hmm. it's just such a word of mouth program. Um, we've just started yeah. advertising now. We're totally overwhelmed with applications. We're in a good spot, but we have a lot of partners now. Um, but it's, sure. they volunteer online. Every Skill Corps member fundraises $5,000, which puts everyone a little outside of their comfort zone to begin with. Um, and then they purchase their plane ticket. And they take two and a half weeks off of work and change their lives forever. And um, it's been just having that kind of professional, personal development aspect of it has been really, really neat. You know, people who are totally burnt out in the field, you know, when you think about your staff, you can probably think of some people who are working some long days and feeling burnt out. And then go, oh, my gosh, I was so burnt out. I was thinking of leaving the field. I cannot tell you how many people say I'm thinking about leaving the field. Um, and they, and what a loss it would be. They're amazing. They have great skills, you know? Um, and they're like, no, I have a renewed energy and what it is that I'm here to do. I get the importance of this work and I can't believe I ever took for granted that this is something that I can offer to people and thought about walking away from. So it's, um, that's a, that's been a really, a really kind of interesting, interesting aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely. Well, well, we should definitely be talking more because I, I can see you said it. Like, I can get why. I will
2: connect. Yeah.
1: Awesome, good, because it seems like a. I mean, Mm -hmm. like exactly like you said, I I could see this being a really cool benefit that you're able to offer staff. And um, I'm thinking of my friend. I I I know I know a woman who does some um some work um internationally, um, I, I don't remember exactly what, what country she consults um, in, but she does a couple trips a year, and like, she just, not only does it change her perspective, um, she's just so low-key yeah. and so easy-going now, um, but but even more so, um, <laughs> it's, it's that invigoration you said. Like, she comes back yeah. and she's just like, I feel great, and it, I just yeah. did this amazing work, and the perspective is, is completely different, and that's, that's very cool. Well,
2: there's, there's nothing like going and teaching people who are hungry, and you've never met yeah. anyone more hungry than a partner of the Global Autism Project. They know what it was like, pre-Global Autism Project. That's why they applied. And you know, I think that it's just there. There's just something really, really amazing about that. And um, it does. You know, you you're right. You you become a little more flexible in your life. I've worked internationally for 15 years now, which I think I always tell people I'm a I'm a recovering Capricorn. You know, Capricorns are known for being really rigid and. Well, shoot, that didn't serve me in Ghana, so we're done with that now. You know? um, Are, but is so that what we're known? I'm is, a
1: Capricorn, too.
2: Is, yeah, we're rigid. Sure, and successful we're rigid, we're successful, we're, yeah, we're responsible also okay. is another way of saying these things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I just like to think I'm still responsible. I, I think I have all the best parts of Capricorn left, you know? Right, um, right. So yeah. That. But um, certainly, you know, your flexibility increases quite a bit when you land in an airport yeah. and the plane's not leaving for eight hours and what are you going to do? You start leaving in one, you know? Um, and it is, it's really, we couldn't have we couldn't have manufactured a better experience, I think, to teach mm-hmm. people, again, those skills that they don't necessarily come in with. Um, and it was, really a, it was really just a fringe benefit. I mean, I was looking for people to provide sure. training to our partners. So I was getting overwhelmed with emails. Um, right. And then a lot of people, the other thing is a lot of people do two, three, four trips. It is not uncommon at all. Um, sure. We've had fifty people go through sure. our leadership program. We have two hundred fifty alums. We have one hundred and eighty people scheduled to travel already for twenty nineteen. I mean, it's it's really wow. it's growing very quickly, um, and it's it's the incredible community that that we have and we get to. Work it's amazing. With it. So yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, we've, been, we've it's a little bit different when than last we spoke, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised because just you, you there's always there was something about what you guys were building. There's something about clearly what you're continuing to expand and grow. It just, it it just, it just makes sense. There's, you you think about everything we hear logically, you know, like I said, I go to those talks about the state of the BACB. I, I try and listen to how our field is growing and you hear about all of this growth of the profession You hear about all of the the growth in BCBAs across this country. And, you know, I I hear every time I go to conferences, what I hear people talking about is I want to do, I want to potentially work with more than just kids with autism. And, you know, the reality is there's we as a field have a long way to go before that can truly be a reality because it's more than just research. It's, it's not just research in the academic institution. It's, it's medical research, it's funding, it's employers, it's uh, laws. I mean, there's a lot to it. And when I think about all that you do, and then when I'm listening to you today, what I really hear is what you're burned out by is doing this job this way all the time and that ABA treatment for kids with autism is way more than one way and there's a world out there that we kind of get blinded by because I'm in my bubble of Los Angeles and I I see the way LA ABA treatment is and I see how the LA system kind of works and you know I always kind of joke I said you know Spend some time in New Orleans, spend some time in Seattle, spend some time in Phoenix, et cetera, and you start to have a new appreciation for what it is we do because you see all the differences. Absolutely. You're you're opening up a whole other world of differences. (laughs) And I gotta assume everybody learns something to make them better. Maybe it's cultural. Maybe it's a training skill. Maybe it's a clinical skill yeah. of I never really understood how to implement that intervention until I met this kid with this person yes. in Ghana yeah and i it just yep. I, it I don't know anyone else who's opening, uh, I guess, pun intended, opening up the world to these young behavior analysts, both scientifically and and culturally. So, I mean, I'm not surprised you you guys, you you blew me away the first time we chatted, uh, up in Seattle and, and I kind of got a sense of what you guys were doing. And it's just, I'm just so, I'm just so honored that I get to keep talking to you and, uh, and get to learn more about it, uh, firsthand. So, um,
0: yeah, okay. Well, you guys you. are awesome. You, know, you
1: guys are awesome.
2: We've had well, thank you. We've you know, we've had tremendous support. We've been so fortunate. You know, every every Skillcore member comes in having raised five thousand dollars, their average number of donors is in the seventies, you know. So the number wow. of people who have come, you know, it takes a village, right? It takes a world. And I yeah. think the number of people who have stepped up and who have supported this organization and you know, being on year fifteen, it's like these numbers are huge and it's just we're so yeah. grateful. We're So grateful to be in this place because, you know, there yes, it's been we've we've never wavered in passion, we never wavered in dedication. Um and we worked with very limited resources at times, you know, and just kind of knew that we had to keep going and you know, knew that we had to get ourselves to a place of being a sustainable organization and every, you know, every day and every minute, it's like, it's getting better and better. And at this point, just kind of looking back, I think I'm just getting old, but I am just like so grateful and so blown away for not only the yeah. work that we've been able to do, but the community that we've been able to create. I mean, all those amazing people who go and do skill Corps, that's my community now. And what a gift, you know? Yeah. So it's been, yeah. it's been really kind of cool. All these years later, overnight success, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we, we've got, literally, we've got one minute. I know you've, you've taken up a ton of time to, to chat with us today, and, and I want to, I know you've got some, some things to do, and, and I want to make sure that we end uh, with one last thing that I think is a question we're, we're, I know some listeners are going to ask is, how do I get involved with the Global Autism Project?
2: How do you get involved? Well, there are many, 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 many ways. Um, If you're interested in SkillCore, if you're interested in making a donation, um, if you're interested, we have a new thing called the Dinner Project where we're traveling around the U.S. and inviting people to a deep evening of conversation and amazing food. Visit our website. Um, GlobalAutismProject.org and everything is on there. Um, and email us. You know, just find us on Facebook. Or you know, Facebook came around after Global Autism Project. I could have changed that <laughs> for us. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. but yes, yeah, find, look up GlobalAutismProject.org. I will say I don't know the air date on this, but I, this will be true. I'm sure next year as well. If it, you know, whenever this airs, um, is that if you are interested in Skillcore, you should apply right away because trips are filling, do fill, um, okay. and we, we would love to have you.
1: So, yeah. Molly, thank you so much for being here. Um, it was just so great. I'm just, I mean, like, like we were saying from two to 17 is just kind of amazing. Um, it's pretty incredible and, um, it's just, it's just always great talking to you. So I had a really cool opportunity to, um, get a little bit more of a first-hand experience, Uh, you know, after talking to Molly and and knowing that we had some individuals at AST who um, have been part of SkillCore, we thought it'd be really cool to talk to them for a little bit and hear a little bit about their experiences, where they've been, and and most importantly, um, what they learned from their experiences as part of SkillCore. So today we're going to be joined by two BCBAs that work with me here at at Autism Spectrum Therapies, uh, Christy Amagost and Cheryl Genesee. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
0: Hi,
2: Rob. Thank
1: So, you know, I'm, I'm most curious about where, when each of you went and where you were. So maybe, like, you know, maybe, Christy, you start off with, you know, where were you? Um, you know, what country did you go to as part of SkillCorps, and, and, and when were you there? Mm-hmm.
3: So I went to India in July of 2018, so I was just there recently. You just there? Yeah. Yeah, I was just there. Um, Yeah, and so I was in the country for about two weeks, and then we did um, a few days of training in New York prior to leaving, and I was actually Mm -hmm. there with Cheryl as well, Um, so we were able to to meet each other at the New York training.
4: We were in training together for New York, but we actually went to two different countries in July.
1: So, Cheryl, where did you go in July after that training was done?
4: So in July, I went to China for a week, and prior to that, in October 2017, I went to Kenya for two weeks.
1: Wow. Man. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, you you did – you were in Kenya and you were in China. Um, You know, what were some of the things that you did – um, in SkillCore during those two trips.
4: Absolutely. In Kenya, it was such an incredible experience. I actually got to work with the first center that SkillCore and Global Autism Project collaborated mm-hmm. with, and that was okay. fantastic because I got to see how it was established after having so many SkillCore trips attend prior to my trip. Yeah, so we actually did a lot of training and just cleaning up with ABA principles for the staff, and we conducted workshops mm-hmm. uh, regarding behavior management, data collection, and then some sexual development too, which was a very hot topic out there at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. What you know, that that's interesting. I mean, we talked a lot with Molly on the show about just the importance of really like cultural competence, and you know, I think about all three of us um, either live or have lived in California, and, and and cultural competence is such a big part of our practice out here because of how diverse California is. i got to assume that if you're teaching sexuality in Kenya, like it's a whole other level of cultural competence that you need to understand.
4: It was. It had its challenges. Um, the biggest hurdle we had to overcome is we kind of had to break the ice with the staff quite mm-hmm. a bit and get them more comfortable, and if they were uncomfortable, giving ways to communicate that. We had a lot of nervous staff for that presentation.
1: Unbelievable, um, unbelievable. Uh, Christy, you, know, you, were, you were in India. I mean, got to be d- different culture, different community. What were some of the things that you were kind of working with the, the team over there? And, and, and also, was it, a, was it a more established team of clinicians, as, as Cheryl got to see in or was it more of a, a brand-new type of center?
3: Um, So I was working at a school called Sorum and they'd been working with the global autism project for quite a few years. Um, So they, they were somewhat established. They had some really good understanding of ABA principles. And what Mm -hmm. we primarily worked on was functional communication training. And there's, there was a bit of a, uh, I guess, divide between um, staff and the administration. So, we worked with, yeah, we worked with the administration to, to kind of find out what what motivates the teachers. What is it that would make them feel better and more confident in their jobs? And so, we put together a survey, um, essentially, essentially mm-hmm. a motivation assessment scale, and to find out what is it that's going to motivate them in their jobs and what would make them feel better. Um, mm-hmm. In In their jobs. So um, the big thing that came out of that was they wanted recognition. Um, So we worked with the administration to make a staff appreciation board and for them to receive, you know, different gifts or what have you based off of their performance.
1: Wow. It's just amazing the spectrum of stuff that you have already stated you guys worked on in these projects like we talked about fct we're talking a little bit about obm we're talking about sexuality we're talking about data collection principles i mean you guys have covered like the whole gamut of of aba in 4 weeks yeah, internationally mm-hmm. like it's it's, it's kind of it's really amazing
0: mm-hmm.
3: yeah it was a really great experience for me and we just we got there and we tried to pick up where the last global autism team left off, um, which can be a little bit of a challenge. And then you're kind of finding out new things that they want to learn about. And so you just dive right in for those two weeks.
1: So I'm kind of curious, you know, you you touched upon that piece and, you know, that, that seems like um, a challenge, you know, you're coming in, I'm a team and I come in with the next team and I come with the next team. Um, you know, were there things you guys learned or, or 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 developed in terms of, hey, here's how I pick up where the next team left off, and then here's how I kind of leave a, a little like a tail for the the team after me to um, to pick up, so that they can kind of continue the chain. Um,
3: yeah, there's a so we each have leaders um, as part of our groups mm-hmm. who are in communication with a clinical supervisor who is in contact with, with the site contact um, throughout the whole year. And so that clinical supervisor kind of keeps track of what's, what's going on with each of the teams, and this is how I understand it. Um, and so they're gotcha. able to kind of help bridge the gap between each of the groups that go out.
4: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And we also we also identify things that we feel – maybe areas to work on and to develop Mm -hmm. in and we always consult with the director on site who would then communicate Mm -hmm. and continue that conversation with that clinical Mm -hmm. supervisor um, after we leave so that way it stays and connects from trip to trip
1: you know listen the the assumption I'm making and and this may not be true and and maybe there's other things you guys learned but like just hearing that little process it feels like I think about continuity of care you know we talk about continuity of care Mm -hmm. of collaborating with all these different professionals for the benefit of the child like it seems like a global or uh, more of like a OBM, almost, continuity of care that you guys are, are almost doing there where it's just like, look, new teams are going to come into play. People are going to have different perspectives. How do we communicate mm-hmm. with everybody to continue that care across the board?
4: Yeah. It's especially important, too, to always communicate with the people there because I may see something that's a big concern for me, but culturally that's nothing for them. That's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about that at mm-hmm. all. So just really making sure that it connects to, to the individuals that we are providing support for and making sure that we have their buy-in and that they mm-hmm. want to work on those skills. Otherwise, it's similar to our own model here in the U.S., if you don't have that family's mm-hmm. buy in or why it's important, the program's not going to go very far. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you talked about the similarities with our own model here in the U.S., and I'm, I'm kind of curious. You know, big big part of our conversation with Molly is um, how often do you hear folks coming back saying, I'm a better clinician due to this experience? You know, are there things that you guys mm-hmm. learned on these trips? Um, that you took back to your practice here in, in in America, working with your your clients, you know, as part of of our team, are are there things you learned, or you have a a new or different appreciation for as a clinician mm-hmm. after um, participating in Skillcore?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, for myself, I what they taught us during training was more about the Socratic method, which is essentially. Yeah. Um, answering a question with a question, which stimulates some critical thinking from both parties, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've brought back and tried to use more of mm-hmm. with the staff that I work with, um, with parents, with other clinicians, so instead of giving the answer or what I think is the mm-hmm. right answer, you know, what what is important to you? How do you think that we can solve this? And so that's been really beneficial for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that and I also agree
4: uh, I feel strongly that it has given me a greater appreciation for collaboration amongst like speech mm-hmm. therapists, teachers, occupational mm-hmm. therapists just to make sure we have strong solid collaboration with everyone involved in our clients programs. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if you know but for Skillcore you don't have to be a BCBA, you don't have to be an ABA, mm-hmm. you can definitely be in a related field and apply and volunteer Mm -hmm. on these trips, and I think that's what makes it so great because you're also given that opportunity. It's not often Mm -hmm. I get to go travel with a speech therapist for two weeks and kind of pick their brain on functional communication. So I think that alone um, has given me a greater appreciation to what successful collaboration can look like. Mm
1: -hmm. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious. Like, it's you you guys both, your full-time jobs, you guys have a team of clients that you're responsible for here like I know I know the work you guys do and uh, I know we keep you busy and I know your clients keep you busy and and you have that um, there's a lot of great things both of you do uh, I guess what what motivated you what 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 kind of inspired you guys to, to do this because it seems like um, it, it seems like a obviously a big commitment a great experience um, but maybe I have the wrong impression, but it feels like a big thing to go out there and do and go to these different countries.
4: For me, it's definitely I want to grow into the strongest clinician I could possibly grow into, and the Global mm-hmm. Autism Project and Scope Core really allowed me to step into that and also get uncomfortable. You know, often at times in the field, there's things yeah. that make you uncomfortable and pushing those boundaries and also just expanding
0: yeah. my
4: yeah. knowledge and skill set. And this has really allowed me to get way out of my comfort zone <laughs> and into yes. another country and kind of seeing how we can fit ABA into that culture and into that country.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I agree. It was, it, it is a big um, personal in time commitment. And so I feel that everybody that was in Skillcore really wanted to be there. And for mm-hmm. myself it it the growth the growth that I that I had I really didn't see until I got back here and was able to be working with um with all of my clients. Um but I just I wanted something new and yeah. what better way to get something new than to go to another country so it was um it was perfect timing
1: i i think you know I hear. I heard that outside of my comfort zone. And it's like, I, I. that's what resonates to me is like, I, I think this is something that would like intimidate me a little bit. Like, oh my God, I'm going to this foreign country. I don't speak the language. Um, I'm going to be in this whole unknown space. And so I just, I, I'm I just have so much respect for you guys for like, just jumping in and being like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to go help these people. And, and just kind of commit. And it's just, it's so admirable. I, I feel like it's, it's so inspiring for, for other BCBAs out there. Cause we, you hear a lot about, well, you know, ABA is just about, I, I, okay, I got a BCBA and I'm doing ABA and I'm just working with kids with autism. And I think sometimes we forget, like, there's a whole lot of ways you can help kids with autism and not just be doing the same thing. Like, it, and this is just one of those examples of like all of the different ways ABA can help people. Uh, you know, do you have any recommendations or any thoughts of like who, you know, from your experience, is there a right type of person to go out and, and have this adventure or, or do you think it's a, uh, it's a good thing for anyone who's really just kind of like into the, the cause and the mission?
3: I think it's great for everybody. Um, on my trip, we had a number of BCBA's. We had staff who were doing direct work. Um, we had people who uh, were fluent in sign language. There was a special education teacher, and we were all so different, and we had such different life experiences. Um, and it was amazing that we all came together. And I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're together all the time. You are working together you're rooming together eating together traveling together so that aspect was really neat Uh, yeah Yeah.
0: um,
3: of yeah of just not just being in india or another country and being part of that culture and community but you're also part of a a different kind of community um, with the people that you're traveling with and that was a really neat experience too
4: yeah, I absolutely agree with that. It is a very unique and amazing wonderful experience and you really it's really for anyone who does support that mission and has the passion to go out there and empower other individuals in the field in other countries. That's really what the ultimate goal is is to empower others together. And it's it's a phenomenal experience. Sometimes it's hard to put words into it and how how phenomenal it is, but I definitely encourage anyone to give it a go, you know, and I feel like everyone at the Global Autism Project is so supportive. If you want to call them and ask them questions and pick
3: their brain, they'd be more than happy to give you more information. Oh, and I was going to say everybody at AST was really supportive as well. Um, My director and the other staff that I worked with, they were really, um, just really supportive of us going out there and doing this, which I thought was great.
1: Well, thanks, guys. I, I'm just so glad you guys were here with us. Like, it it it's just such a nice way to kind of uh, to end this show is to just talk to you guys about this experience and more of a firsthand account because it's. I mean, I, I I met Molly. I met Molly seven, eight years ago, probably close to eight, and the program has grown so much it, it's so it's so impressive everything that's happened and you know she always talks about just the amazing people who are a part of it who have who have made that all take place and and to hear what you guys experienced and 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 what you've gained from it and the recommendations you have for everyone out there is just is just awesome um and i just i commend both of you guys i'm i'm really kind of honored and flattered to call you my my colleagues here Um, and to have colleagues who did what you guys did because it is pretty inspiring. So thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it.
1: So we covered a lot today on on our show. Um, Just really, really cool to hear how much the Global Autism Project has grown. Um, it's it's kind of amazing. I, I remember meeting Molly for the very first time up in Seattle and and being at a, a kayaking event that they hosted where they took all uh families with kids with autism out on, out on the Sound and um gave them this just awesome day out and about on a on a beautiful summer afternoon in Seattle and um, kind of thought to myself, this is not the event I get to go to all the time. And it was just unique, and it was just really different but really special. And I think that really, to me, sums up the Global Autism Project. It's really unique, it's it's different, and it's really special. And talking to Cheryl and Christy and, and about how they've evolved as professionals and, and how their perspective has changed just re- think just is one example of, of that specialness of the program. Um, Obviously reaching these people all across the world is, is amazing, but I, but I can't help, but really value as a, as a practitioner, as a clinician in the field, the, the training they're actually providing to all of these people who are going to turn around and help folks here in in America. Um, Because we do all get so, Wrapped up into our little bubble, our little sphere of what is happening in my community or with my family or within this one program, and we sometimes forget to look a little bit broader. Um, it helps with that perspective, helping to see you know what what else can be accomplished, what else can we achieve or or maybe what 's a different way to go about doing this and you know for me, getting to host this show, talk to all these different guests and and getting a chance to see ABA services and talking to families in multiple cities and states has really been one of the most valuable experiences of my career because it just gives me so many different perspectives and takes on what is best, and and none of them are are wrong and and none of them are right. They're 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 all both. They're they're right for that person, they're right for that individual, and to have that benefit of that, the the comparisons of them all, and, and understanding why they all come together, and how it works in this community, or this country, or that society, or for this family, is it, just so valuable, and the fact that so many people are now benefiting from treatment that they didn't get previously, as well as this diverse experience, really just makes a little autism project a really just valuable part of our community. So as always, please reach out to us if you have any questions, comments. We'd love to hear it from you guys. Um, more info at autismtherapies.com. You can reach us at the Autism Spectrum Therapies Facebook page. Um, and, and please comment on on all of your different uh, podcast platforms. Um, we've been seeing some great comments from you guys out there, and we'd love to keep hearing them and, and some ratings um, about how we're doing. Um, so whether it be iTunes, uh, Blog Talk itself, or, or however you're, uh, you're streaming our podcast, please, uh, please rate and, uh, and comment. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, have a great week. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care.
0: You have enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. This podcast is brought to you by the Learn AST Provider Network. You can listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com, on iTunes, and on Apple Podcasts. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.